You're listening to the Morphology Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Morphology Podcast, aka Murph here to share interviews about biking experiences from cyclists who have pedaled to places all over. Each week, we'll get to know new people and explore new destinations to ride your bike. As you listen to these adventures, you may wonder, why haven't I done that yet? Well, today you're going to hear what it's like to live through a derecho and what it has to do with bikes and trees. So you may be asking yourself, what the heck is a derecho? Derechos are widespread, fast-moving bands of thunderstorms with destructive straight-line winds. The winds can be as strong as those found in hurricanes or even tornadoes. It was August of 2020 when I learned what a derecho was because it came through and destroyed my community. As most of you longtime listeners know, I live in Cedar Rapids. It is the second largest city in Iowa with about 140,000 people. Uh, we boast the largest corn processing city in the world and brag alert, home to the largest museum building move in U.S. history when the National Czech and Slovak Museum and Library was moved. Anyway, I live in a historic warehouse-turned-loft condo in a neighborhood downtown called New Bohemia. It's full of arts and culture, and most weekend nights, you can find live music playing on pretty much every block. My building owns the park out front, and it has a nice circular walking path full of beautiful old trees, or at least it was full of beautiful old trees. There are still a few left, and someone seeing the park for the first time might not even notice that most of the trees are gone. But where did the trees go? Well, let's get into that. It was August 2020, and the Midwest derecho was a powerful storm affecting multiple states, including Nebraska, Iowa, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Indiana. This derecho was at its strongest when it moved across the Cedar Rapids area of eastern Iowa. This derecho created a wind gust of 140 miles per hour right here in Cedar Rapids. That was the peak gust, but the sustained winds of over 70 miles per hour went on and on and on. I can't begin to describe what it felt like waiting for it to end. We could hear things banging against the building and sliding across the roof as we all huddled in the stairwell. The date was August 10th, and earlier that day, at 12.20 to be exact, I had just gotten onto the Cedar Valley Nature Trail for a bike ride with a plan to head south. And at the time, I was maybe about a mile from my house. I know that it was 12.20 because in my phone, I have a video of me riding my bike, hearing the tornado sirens going off, looking around. It didn't look stormy, and I was questioning the validity of the sirens. I literally contemplated continuing my ride or turning around. Luckily, I turned around. There is a viral video from one of the street cameras in my neighborhood, I'll link it to this episode, that shows the entire storm roll through. It is crazy. It's like a time lapse. Anyway, included in that video is me on my bike, racing across the bridge and back to my home, trying to beat the storm. 
I made it just in time, and the next video on my phone is at 1.19 p.m., taken in the park in front of my building. It was complete destruction. These huge trees were all broken or completely on the ground. There were tree limbs everywhere. The building across the street was missing its roof, and a historic building next to it had collapsed. The storm's winds caused wide-scale damage to plants, particularly trees, as I mentioned, snapping large limbs, ripping off branches, and even felling or uprooting entire trees. Often, those trees damaged houses, vehicles, as well as electrical and telecommunications infrastructure. I don't know what it's like in your community, but most of the highways still have electrical poles and wires between the poles, and that's how electricity goes from community to community, rather than buried. So houses sustained significant damages to roofs, windows, siding, Commercial and industrial property also sustained major structural damage from the storm. And this included my condo, which was on the top floor. The roof sustained major damage, which then caused leaks, and it looked like it was raining in my condo. Anyway, I won't get into all that. But I will say, after this storm, Cedar Rapids experienced a maximum 98% power loss due to that infrastructure damage. Thousands of those electrical poles and miles of wire were downed. And almost every structure within the 75-mile radius of Cedar Rapids city limits were damaged in some way. Much of it severe, some of it catastrophic. Hundreds of thousands of trees for which Cedar Rapids is known for, was severely damaged or felled by the storm in both Cedar Rapids and nearby Marion. The estimation is we lost half or more of our tree canopy from the storm. Devastating. Many local businesses were forced to close, some indefinitely due to damage, and most of the city roads became impassable due to storm debris. So right here in my little city of Cedar Rapids, Iowa, it was the most severely damaged, suffering a near-complete blackout that lasted for weeks in some areas. I think I was without power for 10 days, but many people, it was even longer. And then, of course, there was widespread severe damage to property, and like I mentioned before, at least half or more of the city's tree canopy just gone. This derecho caused over $11 billion in damages, and the cleanup is still continuing. It's just crazy. And it probably goes without saying, but all of the bike trails were impassable as well. No one had power, which meant most businesses were closed. My bike club gathered. I mean, most of us were not working. We didn't have air conditioning at home. There, like nobody knew what to do with themselves. We didn't know how to help others. So we spent the next several weeks volunteering our time and equipment to help people get trees off their homes or off their vehicles. You have to remember, every single home had some sort of damage, whether it was roof damage or a tree through the living room or a tree blocking the way to get into their home. It was just, like I mentioned, it was crazy. 
So we started out as a small group, just helping each other. We would find out, you know, hey, so-and-so has a tree through their garage. We need to go help. Let's cut off the limbs. Let's try and get them back to a sense of normalcy or closer to normalcy. So we would go to each other's homes to clean up debris, get limbs to the curb, um, not realizing it would be weeks, even months before city crews could get to every single home. As word of mouth spread, our small crew continued to grow, and before you know it, our bike club became a well-oiled tree and debris removing group that would tackle multiple homes each day. We started getting calls and messages from complete strangers saying, you know, can you go to my grandma's house and uh, help them with the tree that is, you know, blocking her front door or that's just one example. But people started donating chainsaws to us and water and even food. And to this day, the sound of a chainsaw brings me back to those first few weeks after the storm. I will also say the sound and feel of wind takes on a whole new dynamic in my brain. So needless to say, I have pretty big feelings for trees. And I think I can say I've had it my whole life. I was able to visit one of the largest bur oak trees in existence, located near Columbia, Missouri, and at an estimated 350 to 400 years old, being next to this old tree was unreal. Like all of the weather and the events this tree has lived through, and it's still alive and thriving. Strangely, I felt honored to be next to it. And one of my favorite children's book is called The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein. It's about a tree and a boy. It was published way back in 1964, and the message is simple and still holds true. If you haven't read it, you totally should. So all of that brings me to The Tree Fund and Tour de Trees. The Tour de Trees is an annual long-distance cycling adventure that serves as the primary public outreach and community engagement for tree research. I'll tell you a little bit about it, but you can find more information at treefund.org. A quick interruption to tell you this week's podcast is sponsored by Lizard Lips Lip Balm. These great lip balms contain natural ingredients, come in a variety of flavors, and you can choose certified organic or balms with sun protection. Check it out at lizardlips.net. Now back to the show. So this cycling adventure called Tour de Trees serves to advance Tree Fund's mission, which is to explore and share the science of trees, contributed to the lives of people, communities, economies, and the environment, and the planning, planting, and sustainability of urban and community trees. Tree Fund Research has produced better ways to plant and care for urban trees, making them more resilient, more resistant to pests, and less prone to failure. And I can tell you, since the derecho, it has been a great pleasure helping local arborists plant trees all over the city of Cedar Rapids and neighboring Marion. And I hope as I grow older, these trees will grow older as well and eventually become our new tree canopy here in Cedar Rapids. So back to the tree fund, it also supports education programs 
aimed at connecting young people with the environment and career opportunities to green industries. Tree Fund has been able to award more than $5.1 million in grant and scholarship funding since 2002, and Tour de Trees has been a key component in the organization's ongoing success. So Tour de Trees offers an in-person ride, but also a virtual ride. The in-person ride takes riders through Nevada, past beautiful Lake Tahoe, and into California's Redwood Country, promoting and teaching people about proper tree care and the importance of tree research. It's a multi-day supported bike tour. Tour de Trees riders will spend up to five days riding through Reno, Nevada, Lake Tahoe, like I mentioned, and into Northern California engaging in the communities and, of course, raising funds for the Tree Fund. This year, Tour de Trees starts September 26th and runs through October 2nd. You can find more at treefund.org slash Tour de Trees, and I think they offer multiple options. So if you can't do all five days, you can maybe do one, two, or three. Now, I don't think I can make it to the actual event this year, so I decided to do the virtual Tour de Trees 350-350 challenge. The challenge is pretty simple. I registered for the challenge, then I get to ride 350 miles and hopefully raise at least $350 on a fundraising page I've created. My ride miles are tracked via the Strava app, and it's really easy to register for this virtual event. It's free, and if for some reason you can't make your goal, there's no penalties for not reaching it. I just launched my page, and I'll put the link in the show notes. Check it out, and if you don't want to do your own challenge, consider supporting Tree Fund via my fundraising page. They are working towards a goal of $300,000, and I can only imagine what that money can do to the future of trees. Well, listeners, that's it for this week. Email me at morphologypodcast at gmail.com if you have a topic or the name of a cyclist you find interesting. Support my podcast at patreon.com slash morphology and visit both my Facebook and Instagram pages for daily entertainment. I have more great episodes in the pipeline, so I hope you continue to be a Morphology Podcast listener. Mm-hmm.